From an outside perspective, restaurants are the perfect getaway. Great food, inviting atmosphere, comforting environment. It's an all-around fantastic time for friends and family alike. Though it can be beautiful and enriching from the inside perspective, as a guest, one doesn't see the hardships and stressors of creating a wonderful experience. Every restaurateur goes through struggles and challenges that could make or break them. This podcast aims to explore that, pulling back the curtain and understanding what it's truly like to run these establishments as told by those who do it. I'm Justin Warner, and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. Who are you and what are you doing here? Well, Justin, my name is Mike Miller, restaurant tour in Upper Central North Dakota. I own three restaurants and one event space. As we speak right now, I own a restaurant on a golf course and I own a Canadian gastropub. I own a ghost kitchen called Big Time Bistro. And then I have an event space called The Depot. We do events throughout the year. Nice. Sounds like you have your hands full. Always. Yes. Just so that people can understand, and obviously, you know, the people that are listening to this might find themselves in mine it someday. Can you talk to us about the individual concepts? Yes. Well, I have one concept called Elevation, it's, which is your country club steakhouse style restaurant on a minor country club. And we have a golf course. We have a, a service style pool, indoor, outdoor dining. We have won the last five years of minus best fine dining, but we're not quite that fine dining type there for this area. It might be fine dining at the point because there's no other option, mm. but it's more of your uh, steakhouse style country club there. And Can then anyone have, go or do you have to be a member of the country club? Nope, we're, we were a little different to where we're on a country club, but we're open to the general public. Nice. So that's what's there. So it's a little bit different than your traditional country club concepts. And that's also, we battle that. We've been open for seven years and we're still battling that today with the locals even. And then our second restaurant is a downtown restaurant called High Third, which is a uh, Canadian gastropub is like we call it there. So we have a Canadian influence with poutines and desserts. And then we also have an American influence with dippers. And then we also have a, I call Tex-Mex American tacos, fusion tacos we, we do. So that's a little bit more of your laid back, your downtown kind of vibe. It's three levels, rooftop, patio, and more culinary fusion bar food. Got it. And then I have a ghost kitchen that we run out of elevation. It's called Big Time Bistro. And we do sandwiches and everything like that through DoorDash, just delivery only that we developed here during the pandemic. So I am a South Dakotan. We could talk about the Dakotas and, and you know the usual Dakota talk, which one is better which one is more forgotten. We both live in towns that have Air Force bases, if I'm not yep, mistaken. Absolutely. So I know a little bit about where you are, but why don't you tell the listeners what is up? Because oftentimes our states are forgotten or flown over. Well, I tell you what, they definitely flown over. That's for sure. You know, I, I used to spend some time in Northern California and I used to spend some time in about a, almost a greater decade in Phoenix Metro. And I tell you what, between the Dakotas, Nobody knows where North Dakota is. Everybody knows about Dakotas where South Dakota because everybody's about Mount Rushmore. That's all they say about South Dakota. But anyways, what I'm doing up here and how things are going is everybody thinks that since we're in North South Dakota that we weren't affected like the rest of the world in the, the pandemic range. And yeah, we weren't as strict as everybody else, but we still had quite a few challenges throughout these last 
two two years going forward. And I know you down in South Dakota, I'm sure it's the same thing for you down there. Everybody says it's all it's all great, but it's it's not what people are saying, though. Right. Uh, for somebody who's never been in North or South Dakota, uh, how do you describe the landscape? And when I say landscape, I mean it absolutely physically in terms of the geography, but also what is the landscape like as a restaurateur? Oh, the, how the landscape is here is it's very interesting. You know, where we're from here is in like a military town. We're not on the interstate where we're at in Minot, North Dakota. So we have, I would say we are up here in the backwoods but we have a very cultured restaurant palette here, you know, with the military base and also us being sort of that hub city for your Western Northern North Dakota. We get a lot of Canada tourism as it's starting to come now, as the border has been opened as before the border was shut down, we used to get a lot there also. So everybody thinks we're just a whole bunch of steak, potato, burger places, but we become very metro, I would say, in our palates here in mine at North Dakota. Nice. How have you catered to your, your audience there? Because, you know, it seems like you've traveled around quite a bit, but if you grew up there, what did you want to preserve? What did you want to push forward? Well, growing up here, my units try to preserve as much of the Minot and central North Dakota history. We have such a deep history here in Minot with the railroad going from Chicago to Seattle. It's a lot of history that people don't really like to talk about. You know, the history of all the bad things during the prohibition. And we were a pretty big hub area for getting whiskey out of Canada into the States during the prohibition area. So a lot of my concepts have to do with that, of preserving that history and trying to get into the cuisine to match with that. Nice. What have been some of the challenges? You know, uh, the pandemic is is kind of of obvious. And if you've been in business long enough, you've probably witnessed a recession or two. And I think that everyone who's listening to this podcast has kind of heard the many tales of what the pandemic and economic climate was like. But what are some other challenges that you've had, given that you've worked in all these other areas? What was it like to come back? What were things that were challenges that you alone had to experience? Well, the challenge is, is me coming back at this area, coming from out of the Southwest, was actually adapting to the local. And I'm still in the process of adapting to the local because the locals are sort of trying to adapt also. Since I've been back in this area, it's been a lot more affordable to fly to different places and to travel to different places. So people's palates have gotten accelerated in this area. But yet the majority of the people still are so stuck in their ways a little bit. So they want that new experience, but they are scared of that new experience. That what I would say is the hardest thing in this area. And my concepts this area take two to three years to sort of catch on with the locals. Uh, it, it always starts off well with the military, always starts off well with the tourists and starts off well with people that come to the Minot area that are from larger cities. And I mean, when I mean larger cities, I'm talking like Sioux Falls larger, Fargo larger, not like we're not even talking like Minneapolis or uh, Bozeman or anything like that. So that has been the biggest challenge here is adapting to the local because they want all these new things, but they're so tentative to try it. Got it. What have you done to, you know, what, what carrots have you dangled? The carrots have dangled is hold your ground. 
hold the ground. I said, it's, it's all my concepts are educational. We have to educate them. And these are not big educational things. We're just teaching simple culinary procedures and we're not so diner dive-ish as we would be here in this area. And, you know, it's just educating and educating and educating your staff, the staff to educate the guests and make sure your marketing is educated to form there also. So it's dangling the carrot is standing your ground and having the plan of what you're doing going forward. Got it. How has it been to find employees? I think everyone has struggled with this in the past few years. Well, I tell you what, finding employees for us is not hard. Finding an employee that stays is hard. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we get, we get about an average of 50 applications a week. We interview out of those 55, out of those five, we probably get on average a quarter a person. So it's been quite a challenge of changing your daily, weekly regiment into hiring all the time. It's part of your routine as it were before. It was maybe a seasonal hiring and going through those functions like that. Got it. Why do you think people are you know, less hesitant to stick around a restaurant environment? Well, it's intense. Restaurant is intense, fast paced, and people don't have time to wait anymore. It's that aspect of changing into that. I see. Well, it seems like you are very persistent about this. You know, you, you don't waver. Where does that come from? Where does that resilience, where does that desire to maintain your vision, where does that come from? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the way I've always been my whole life. And then when I moved back here into this upper central North Dakota, we always got that doom and gloom. Like we don't have this nice stuff as Fargo does. We don't have nice stuff as Minneapolis or Las Vegas, and we could have this stuff here. So that has been my biggest drive is to show and educate the people in this area that you can have the same things as anywhere else in the nation or the world. And it's the challenge of getting people to smile and actually enjoy something they've never tried before. And it, I'm not talking exotic food here either. You know, we're just talking simple fusion things, trying these different things to, to open up the palate off the meat and potato realm. And Got it. that challenge is what keeps me going. I just, if there's a challenge, it's going to keep me going. I understand you do a lot of uh, business with Canadian tourists. How much of your business would you say is dependent on tourism? 20% of my business in both elevation and high third is dependent on tourism. And that tourism we use as a marketing aspect towards the locals because the locals see what everybody else does in other cities. If they like it in our city, that means they'll start liking it then. But they don't want to quite take the lead sometimes to like it because they're not quite sure about it. So 20%. Across the board, tourism for us is it. And then the other is you got 15% on the military. I don't count that as tourism. I don't, the military is not tourism to us as a part of our whole plan of how we do things here, but 20%. And then so tourism is mainly we go off here supporting small cities and then Canada and let's say the oil industry fly ins. Got it. So, What's your next move? It sounds like you're the kind of person who doesn't stand still for very long. I don't. Next move is it's just more units, more units, but not retrofitting like franchising or doing the same unit, or same concept over and over. My, my whole goal in this 
restaurant culinary experience in my North Dakota is to have an area or a town here that can have multiple cuisines experiences in one city. Got it. Where do you get your concepts? Concepts. I have multiple concepts that have ideas I've seen in Northern California, Phoenix, Metro, Chicago. Those are mainly where I see Florida. Those are the main areas where I get these ideas. And it's not just like copying concepts. It's a little bit of each of everything and, and piece it together in what I would think would be good with a history base in the Minot area. Got it. How did you end up where you are now? I mean, did you just know one day, hey, I'm going to be in restaurants or because I feel like everybody has an interesting story as to how we got here. Well, how I got here is 18 years old, straight off the dairy farm here in central North Dakota. I went to college to go into aviation and that just turned out to be too expensive. But me to get started in aviation, I had to get another part-time job. And I played sports at college too. So I had to get these weird hour jobs and the restaurant and bar business, the only way for me to do that in Grand Forks, North Dakota, I got in the restaurant bar business when I was 18 because you could do that as borders in Minnesota, actually at the American Legion, you know, way, way back then 18. And I never looked back. I liked the intensity. I like the gratification of pleasing people is even if it's negative or positive. You know, seeing people's reactions, how they how they see things stuff like that, and how food and drink can make people so transparent. And I enjoy that sensation of the people, positive or negative. So I've been doing this since I've been 18. I tried to get out of it and get into the financial area in Northern California and into the medical staffing. And I started and lost a business in six months in Northern California. So I went right back to restaurant business and learned the majority of my fresh fruit culinary and mixologists in Phoenix metro area. Got it. I like to think of a restaurant, a single restaurant, as like the guy on the Ed Sullivan's show who would spin the plates on the sticks. Do you know who I'm talking about? You've seen those guys do that? Yep. So I like to think of one restaurant as being a set of plates spinning on sticks. And you got to pay attention to one and then pay attention to another aspect and pay attention to the other one or the plates are going to fall and crash down. But when you have multiple restaurants and multiple concepts, it's like you have a second set of those plates spinning on top of each plate. How do you manage to juggle all of those plates? Oh, I mean, some plates fall. I'll tell you right now, some plates fall and they say your second restaurant is absolutely your, you should treat more like your first restaurant. and. That's what I have become there. I've, I've, I moved out of the restaurants pre-pandemic. And then through this pandemic, we opened a restaurant in the pandemic. And then I'm emerged into hands-on for the, the training aspect of managers, supervisors on that. Because we don't have a large pool of qualified managers, supervisors in this industry up in this area. So I don't sleep as much as I used to. I, uh, I'm on the phone constantly. And I do a lot of camera watching, you know, they just try to use as much technology to my disposal to make it as efficient as possible for me to be at multiple places without being in, being there physically. Got it. So it sounds like there's, you know, you have a goal of expanding and getting more concepts out there, but it sounds like that's going to be an uphill battle. You know, if it's hard to find 
the staff, if it's hard to find a clientele that is eagerly, you know, expecting something new. So what are the steps that you're going to take to, to get there? Well, the, the steps are, you're absolutely right. You know, this has been the plan since day one. And now we have to adjust because of the workforce, the way people are changing, the way they're eating, just as even at the grocery store or at home meals and things like that. So we're developing the concepts and taking the concepts and changing them. So you have a retail factory dine-in delivery kind of concept with everything like high third and elevation will be the last traditional restaurants I'll ever have. They have multiple revenue sources that come out of there that we can reach a, a broader audience online or throughout Canada and United States and not just focus just on the locals as we do now per se. You know, you've mentioned that tourism is very important. I also work in a, a tourist economy. How do you, via your food or your service or anything, how do you stick in a tourist mind? You know, I think when I am a tourist, I often suspect that I'm about to be ripped off, that anywhere I go is that's like appeals to me is probably going to be like a tourist trap if I'm in a tourist area. So my question is, how do you let tourists know that you're not a tourist trap and then also, how do you stay with them? How do you make this not just a blip on their radar where they're just eating and moving along their trip? How do you make it memorable? Well, the memorable is we're making concepts that are not like other concepts in this city. So we're trying to stick out on that aspect there on that. And our concepts are a little bit more elaborate than your other, let's say, box stores. Because mostly how we roll here are box stores, fast food on how we roll here. So being a little bit outside the box do we stand out to to a tourist maybe and being highly active online for the tourists also and not like you say ripping people off like price gouging even though where we're at in since we're not an interstate we're sort of centralized state our prices are higher here than anywhere else in the state almost here in Minot because of we're the last on the line to get stuff so Everybody's got to pay for the fuel to get everything here. So I just try to be competitive as possible with the price wise on that. Nice. One last question. And we ask this to everyone. If someone was considering a career in food, beverage and hospitality, what advice would you give to them? What you see on, on, the, on the outside is not what it takes on the inside. You have to have, I believe, a real passion for people and a passion for your community too, because that's why you're there. Is how you treat people in your own home kitchen throwing parties, you would have to treat in your own restaurant. That's a two, that's easy to say, but it's not easy to execute. Try to do your own restaurant concept off what you think, not what you cook, you see at other places you think you can do better. Like, uh, you know, restaurants, and if you want to be a successful restaurateur, I firmly believe. Multi-units is the way to go. If you're looking at a restaurant for financial independence, you have to be a multi-unit person. If you're looking for restaurants for the commodity and everything like that, one unit is going to be your way to go and be part of the community and do it that way. It's a very rewarding road, but it's a very bumpy road. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll catch you on the next one.